Amazing that out of uh, one of the most tumultuous times in Scripture that we see in Jeremiah, the word comes to him and says, Great promises I have for you, says the Lord. Great plans I have for you, says the Lord. And in the moment, that moment where that word came, they were in captivity. They were going through a living hell and in the midst of it. I want to tell you this morning, uh, I've kind of just wanted to share this for a while. I didn't know how to bring it into word, but when we, when I went on a trip up north, we got to go to see uh, the ARC exhibit. And if you haven't been, you need to go check it out. It's worth the payment of vacation. You can also go check out the, uh, uh, what is that called in course? Creation Museum, thank you. Well worth your time. If you want to check it out, check out uh, uh, one of the places, answersingenesis.org or .com, .something. Look up Answers in Genesis. But I want to, uh, my mind went to uh, a couple things when when I was there, and I was like, it's one of the craziest things to go in. We hear this Bible story of God telling Noah, hey, build an ark, okay? And he's uh, 500 years old at the time when he received the word of God. And uh, I don't know if he had children yet, but in that span of uh, from 500 to about 575, um, he builds an ark with his with his sons and his wife and the, 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 the brides of his sons. And it sounds like a cute story, and it's one of those felt felt board kind of things, and some of us, when we had Sunday school all the time, when we talk about felt board uh, kids, you probably don't realize this, but uh, <laughs> there were little cutouts, and we put them on the little board, so when we talk about felt board, um, we talk, and then you have a cute little story, and then the rainbow's there, the rainbow, they, they jacked it up, we're going to hijack it back, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I looked at, when when I walked up on this huge uh, building that it was built in the same size and all the different things. I'm like, wow! And one thing hit me while I'm in there, and uh, so I'm I'm going to share with you, and that's kind of the basis of my talk. But I want to talk this morning about a couple of things, and so uh, I'm going to start out with uh, the thought of being a remnant. Noah was a remnant. He was a remnant. Uh, what, what, is, what is a remnant? If you want to know what remnants are, we can go inside your car. <clears throat> inside your car, I don't have to look. Uh, I don't have to know who you are, uh, and I can look through your car. You can look through my truck and uh, my wife's car, and you'll be able to see the remnants of our life. Yeah. Well, you'll be able to see that we have a little daughter. You'll be able to see that she likes to craft a bunch of things. Inside of our car, sometimes, if we're just not that obsessive, compulsively clean, uh, you'll, you'll probably see our favorite food, <coughs> where we have been. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy said, you give me a redneck and you let me pull out his top drawer and see his t-shirt drawer, I'll tell you everything about him, where he's been on vacation, his favorite drink, favorite food, all that kind of stuff. That is what a remnant is, in, 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 in a small sense. In fact, today's Webster's Dictionary defines the word remnant as something left over, a remainder. 
uh, a surviving trace or a vestige of what's, uh, what remains. A small surviving group of people, and in genealogy it would be considered an outlier, outlier, and that which remains or remains the remainder or the rest. Let me switch gears real quick. When I was in high school, and I promise I'm going to tie it together so it makes sense, but when I was in high school, I went, I went to school here at Pine Forest uh, in the area, and then my family, we moved to Birmingham. And in Birmingham, uh, Pine Forest was a football school, but in Birmingham, it was a religion. Okay, you're really, I, I'm, I'm being serious. To the effect that when it was Tennessee week, uh, and there was a big, huge mall there called the Gallery, that's not as popular anymore, uh, but during Tennessee week, they had the game in Birmingham, and Tennessee fans were everywhere, and Alabama fans uh, were everywhere. And somebody, one Tennessee fan uh, roared out, Go Vols! The whole mall erupted. And it said, in, in unison, it was like, Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll. I was like, Oh my God, where am I? It was, it was an orchestra in unison. Uh, it was it just blew my mind, but this is the environment of my school where I was at. And my junior year, we went to the state uh, uh, playoffs and we got to the semifinals. We lost, da 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 da. But my senior year, we, we were supposed to be something special. But uh, our coach died uh, the day before the first day of practice, and we were kind of down, and we were trying to put our heads back together, and we finding every reason to try to play and try to try to win. But we've lost uh, about four games straight. And you have people that are fans. And those same fans the year before that were just fanatical. They were just absolute idiots at the game. And we would, they would pack the place. You could not park. You had to be there like four hours early. And this was a high school game, okay? And it made no sense. And uh, people just hanging on top of people. We, we had football games that was called the Hoover Met. It's where uh, you know, they played baseball. It was just a bigger stadium. But it was a, it was a big thing. And... Uh, I remember those same fans that were there that you were for when we were good. We didn't have as many <laughs> when we were not as good. And uh, I would say there there were remnants of our fan base my my junior year, and the remnants consisted of people that the football team had relationship with. That be mamas and daddies, and mamas wore those shirts. I could hear uh, my mom's voice on the field. At different times, um, <laughs> but we you had the the parents of fans and family a family of the, the players, and then you had the the people that were remnants of the previous year, but they were friends of the players and what have you. And then the cheerleaders, and then all the people that had been on the band and all, all all that. But there was definitely lacking a presence. Uh, that would help with the big mo, being uh, motivation, or uh, you know, the, the, that would help a team and encourage a team to win. And motivation can it can change the aspect of the game. Motivation can change the uh, can actually change our outlook on so many different things. If we if we uh, will call ourselves names and we we uh, start believing in in lies and speaking them over our life, we become become a self fulfilling prophecy. If we start to, uh, feeling sorry for ourselves and saying all kind of dumb things and we speak it over our lives uh, and then also we have children that are beside us, they start speaking it over their lives and that's negative motivation to the tune of this. My daughter's six and one thing is, uh, you know, spicy food kills my life, okay? 
I'm a professional eater, but I stay away from spicy foods. If I eat spicy foods, I've got to have, you'll see inside my truck, I've got emergency Gaviscon on the radio, okay? Not even kidding, it's right there. And then I have these little magic pills. Uh, uh, they're called Zegrin. I shut down on Zegrin and I drink some Gaviscon because otherwise I'll start uh, turkey necking. Because <laughs> acid reflux, and I'm talking. And I, it's just, it's terrible. But uh, so I'm prepared. So I, I got to be careful uh, of if I eat something or encounter something spicy and it starts to mess with my stomach. I, I don't want to stay around a night. Oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, my stomach hurts. Because I don't want to draw attention to an affliction because one thing that she does and when she wants attention, she's like, oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, my head hurts. Your children will copy, our children will copy our afflictions. Just going to tell you that. So negative uh, m uh, uh, motivation was, was there. But we, we had remnants of fans that were still there. And when we started to put things together, and we won uh, one of the best teams in the nation, ranked number three or something like that in the nation, and we won that game, it was just awesome to see the fruit of our labor. And then we had all the people, when we got back to school the next day, or the, excuse me, the Monday following that Friday game, all the people said, oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish I could have been there. It went into overtime. The, they got the kick. I, I can't believe you played against uh, one of the players was Fred Beasley, who ended up playing for uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers. But Fred Beasley, I, I mean, he was built, I mean, uh, he was a, he was, he was hard to take down, just a big dude, but we, we took him down that night several times. But uh, people in the, that did come again, I can't believe y'all did that. Man, I wish I was there. Man, I wish I was there. I'm like, well, Dylan was. Why didn't you come? Oh, I had, oh, I had this, I had, had some of that. So some of the fans, the, the fans were filled with remnants. I want to, uh, Genesis 6 and 3, I want to tell you that we live in a day and an age right now, we don't have the absence of the Spirit of God, thank goodness for that. But during the 500 years in between the Old Testament and the New, uh, it said the voice of God was absent. Can you imagine the voice of God not being or speaking to you? Some of us right now, we have an absence of the voice of God. Today's for you. There was a time where maybe God spoke to you and gave you a promise. I love what, what Janice said, but God gave you a promise. And, and in that moment, you might even get, it might even got you in the feels. I mean, got you in the emotions of like, yes, God. All right, I can hang on for one more day. I can hang on for one more day. I can hang on for one more day. And when you when you got the promise to God, you like, I'm, I'm able to hang on to that. But let's look at this. In Genesis six and three, Noah received a word. Say a word. A word uh, from the Lord at age five hundred. In that day, uh, it never rained before. Never rained a drop. Uh, God gave Noah what seemed like a crazy word to build an ark. Build a huge honking boat. I'm going to destroy the world and all of mankind. 
That is the word that God gave to Noah at 500. Now, there is not a, a huge dissertation of uh, a lot of recorded instances that we see in that, uh, that there's verses, but we, we see the word of God spoken to Noah at 500. The next time God speaks to Noah is one week before the flood. Wow. Let's grasp a hold of that for a second. You get a crazy word from God saying it's going to rain. What's rain? It's like going over to Africa and like uh, where it's 150 degrees and trying to describe to them what ice is like. They have dreads? I mean, what's going on? I don't, are, you, are you afflicted? You, you probably get killed because somebody thinks you're going, I'm going to get whatever you got. But God told Noah, it's going to rain. God told him, I'm going to destroy this world. It's gotten so messed up, I, I, I regret making mankind. Can you? Uh, God has given you a word. God has given a lot of us a word, and it don't make no doggone sense. Guess what? That is par for the course inside the Bible. What I mean is, that is commonplace inside the Bible. God asked people to do some crazy stuff. And you look through judges, and I, I love Samson, I love the lessons of Samson, and God used Samson, and he picked up a jawbone of a donkey and killed 5,000 men. What goes through the mind of number of person number 4,999? It don't make no sense. And your hair is the secret of, okay, cut my hair, and then, then, you know, another story, if you don't know the story, look it up. But God gave Noah a word, and then, as we look in Scripture, didn't say anything else to him, and took the time for the animals to come on the ark. Noah's in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. If you want the Hall of Fame of, of those that are inside the biblical Hall of Fame, look, look for Hebrews 11. And here's Hebrews 11, 7. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, there's another, hey, nobody ever saw rain, nobody ever saw floods like this. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. When I was walking through that big, huge honking boat, some things tried, yeah, honking's a word. You, you married a girl from Louisiana. Honking's a word, okay? <clears throat> you know, God's going to forgive her for, you know, texting me last night out of that One thing that came to me is Noah had three sons, and then he had his wife. But then they had Noah's sons' wives. Where are their families? That's something that hits me. Can, can I just speculate for a minute? Maybe they're dead. Maybe they died. Maybe they got caught up in craziness. I don't know. But one thing that's definitely there is that they're absent. They're not on the boat. So I can't help but think that maybe I, I, one of them, two of them, 
probably had some parents that didn't exactly agree with the crazy man that talked about water falling from the sky and that there's going to be a big rain and it's going to be a flood and that we're all going to die. There are probably some of those that made fun a little bit. But the crazy thing is, and I love this part, when all the animals and all the people are in the boat, y'all know who shut the door? God shut the door. Man didn't shut the door. God shut the door. God gave Noah a word at 500, and 75 years later, he's still going on that one word so convincingly that he convinced and ministered to three three women that married his sons and said to us, we got to get you. The world's going crazy. We got to do this. How many of you give up on something in a matter of minutes? How many of us are good enough? For, I mean, some of us are in here believing for family, right? Some of us in here praying for husbands that's a knucklehead, right? Some of us in here praying for wives that's a knucklehead, right? Some of us praying for healing, right? Yeah. What are you wearing? <coughs> what are we wearing? We wear our countenance. We wear what's going on in our life. When, 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 when I'm not feeling good or I'm, I, I've got an attitude problem, Jessica uh, may say, Jason, you're wearing it. Or when I come to the office, or maybe, maybe my mind ain't right, Jenna will ever so kindly stab me with that knife, and I'll thank her for it, but she said, Jason, you're wearing it. So when, when we've given a promise and we start to get caught up in all the mess, When we're given a promise and we get caught up in all the busy work of stuff that's going on now, we don't set our sight on the eye on what God has promised, but we get caught up in what's going on right in front of us. Come on. Come on. Nehemiah, when he built the wall and all the people were at the wall, one, they had a, a hammer in one hand and a knife in the other, but some of them people came around and they started saying, well, what about all the rubble that's right here in front of us? What about all the rubble? What about all the rubble that's on the wall? Well, don't want to pick it up and throw it down the street a little bit. Or use it to build a wall. Shut your mouth, pick up a rock, and put it on the wall. Sometimes you got those people that you don't want to, I mean, I've said this before, but you've heard it before. You got some of the people you don't want to ask how they're doing. And some of the worst places in church. How you doing? Well, I'm just fighting the devil. No, you're not. You're, you're not there. God has given you a promise. Stand on it, Bubba. God has given us a promise. We're giving up on a promise. If this life is just a vapor, when we get to the other side, are we going to go, I wish I'd have been there? I wish, I wish, should have, could have, would have. Noah was a catalyst. Today, what's a catalyst? It's a change agent. In fact, Noah's Webster's Dictionary today says an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. So here, here's, here's the thing. When God gives us a word and we start to get discouraged, how do we get ourselves and our mind around it? 
Hey, God is going to fulfill His promise. How do we encourage? David encouraged himself at Ziklag. Right? So what do we have to encourage ourselves with? That's maybe the things that God has already done in our life. Because we we're so quick to remember all the crap. But we fail to remember what God has brought us through sometimes. So sometimes we need to encourage our God to remember when you were here. And it's not us reminding God. It's us reminding ourselves. Because we've got to encourage and build up that spirit man with inside us. And the Holy Spirit's going to start moving. And there the catalyst is. The catalyst is the Holy Spirit. But also there's catalyst people. That's Come on, we can do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I got a six-year-old that scraped her arm up the other night, and everybody around I mean, The worst thing that a, a person, a parent can do to a kid that falls is just simply one millisecond after they fall. And this is it right here. Yeah. 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 Don't do it, but you can walk up to a baby this afternoon, or just bump them, and go, and they'll, oh, <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't know, but I'm crying. Because <laughs> this is the response I get whenever I hear. <gasps> How many times in our life, even though we're given the promise of God, we deal with that stuff that comes on you like a little bit of a wave and we go. <gasps> and we fail to remember. You know, hey, when I was little, Dad said, rub some dirt on us, huh? Yeah. <laughs> rub a little grass on it. It's going to help your immune system. Right, Brother Floyd? When we have chicken pox, somebody said, oh, Alice has got chicken pox? Okay, we'll be over in five minutes. Let's go ahead and put my baby around that baby. Let's have everybody get chicken pox right now. Let's go ahead. And we're going to get rid of the chicken pox in my neighborhood. Am I wrong? Noah was a catalyst. Who are the catalysts in our church? Who are the catalysts in your life? Because we have them. Sometimes we allow catalysts to sink us because sometimes that little <gasps> will show up and you're like, I just shut up, you know. Yeah. Catalysts will tell you, oh, you need to worry about this one. Oh, you need to put all your energy into that. <gasps> you need to put every bit of your, <gasps> you know, every, every, you need to worry about it, sweat about it. Uh, we're going to talk about it for hours on end. Okay? You ever get sick of somebody complaining? You just want to say, Yes. <laughs> and I just want to look at somebody in this Alex, you're not that person. I just want to say, Alex, just say one thing good. <laughs> say one blessed thing good. I'm gonna whip your butt. One blessed thing. Because you've been complaining for weeks. I'm about to kill you or me. I'd rather kill you. But say one thing good. Just say one thing good. Amen. Amen. Come on. And sometimes that person is you. Yes. If we're if we're gonna self-examine. My life is just so terrible. No, 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 you're a whiner. I mean, it's amazing that we tell, we say things to little kids. You know, stop, stop telling, telling, stop whining. Come on, stop whining. And then when we get older, we're like, you need, we need to tell ourselves, stop whining. Believe in the bigger picture. God give you bigger something than that. Catalysts are not those that show up and feel as if they're doing their duty already in church. I'm here. <laughs> Woo! Sacrifice praise. Now let me see. Catalysts are not those that uh, 
to who would ever utter the phrase, I'm just not getting finished. Can you imagine for a moment in that 75 year period, would you think anybody was ever tired of rain? Rain, where's the rain? What is rain? What, what is rain? I don't see no rain. I'm tired today. What, no, remind me of what God said because I ain't hearing it. How, how many years ago? 37 and a half years Good. I'm, I'm about to give up. I'm tired of building this stupid boat. It's up here on this big thing. It ain't nowhere near the water. How's it going to get near the water? We got it up on, we got it just propped up. How in the world is that dumb thing going to get in the water? Rain. What's rain? We are 10 miles from water. Did God tell you us eight are going to lift this big boat up and carry it over our head? That's the miracle I'm going to see there. <laughs> because what happens when we get caught up in the we lose sight of what the promise of God was and we get stuck in our common reasoning. Well, God can't do this. God can't do that. That doesn't even sound right. That ain't even my character what God said he promised he's going to do. You're right. It's the character of the Holy Spirit that you're allowing to move through. Amen. we got to get out of our own way. No catalyst, not no, uh, a catalyst is one who has heard the word of God, stands on it, blind, unwavering belief, and cannot be moved from it. Amen. Yes. I ain't trying to be comedy hour, but you ever notice some people they are like, how do you know I'm standing on the promises of God? <laughs> Just standing on the promises. And they look like they're about to die when they're saying that. <laughs> I don't want none of God's promises. <laughs> we get frustrated. I, 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 I'm just telling you. Anaya, she told me the other day, I said, baby, you got to be patient. I know what patience is. I don't want it. I'm a talk prophet, and I'm very talk. I don't want it. Well, better let me tell you something. You ever pray for patience with me? I'm going to whoop you. We're going to minister that spoon. Turn with me to Haggai. The word? Haggai is one of the minor prophets. Do you know what the difference between a major and a minor prophet is? I suspect someone comes up with some big problem that they can't see. I'm going to read a little bit here. Haggai. There's only about three pages in your Bible. So if you look at your phones, it starts with an H. It ends with an Haggai. And I'm in Haggai 1. There's only, there's only two in this thing. Haggai 1, verse 14. These people say, The time has not yet come for me re to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, this is at a time uh, where they're in captivity. And uh, Haggai is here. Haggai had been to the temple. Haggai had been there when the temple was there. 
and had experienced uh, the glory of God or heard the voice of God and uh, been around that time when he gave sacrifices and all the different things. But now they're in captivity, and this is what the, uh, now they're starting to, uh, they're told, hey, go live your life. They're delivered from captivity. So now go live your life, and I want you to live life but worship God and, you know, be, be one of the first promises or the first covenants of God. Be fruitful and multiply. But this is what uh, they started to do. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It's time for you yourselves to be living in your uh, paneled houses. While Is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? Is it time for you to be building up your house while the house of God remains in ruins? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, harvested little. You, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. But you put clothes on, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The Lord God Almighty said, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber to build my house, so that I can take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but... but uh, see, it turned out to be little. You brought home, brought it home and blew it away. Why, declares the Lord? Because my house, which remains in a ruin, while each of you busy with your own house, therefore, because you, the heavens, have withheld their dew and the earth its crops, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on the people and the livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, Joshua, son of Jezodic, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the word of the Lord and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord has sent them, and the, uh, the people feared the Lord. God gave us a word. God gave many of us in this room a word. I'm going to save your house. I'm going to save your family. I'm going to bless your business. I'm going to bless your, your, the work of your hand. God, uh, God has given us so many of these different promises. And we get frustrated in the meantime, but sometimes we get caught up in the busy work. And we get caught up in the selfish work, the work, uh, the things that are right in front of our face. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. If it's Sunday today, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to go to work. Okay? What are you going to do for God tomorrow? Are you going to wake up? And, are you going to take God to your workplace? Are we going to take God into our, 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 our homes? Are we going to take God into those places we can go? Well, the law says, the law don't say nothing. Does it say you can't live as an example of Christ? Does it say we can't take the Word of God in our home? But sometimes, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, my goodness, uh, we, we restricted Anaya from TV uh, because uh, she wanted to be a gymnast and she tore down, basically tore up two balls, uh, parts of balls, God bless her. I wanted to kill her. Um, so we took her out of that room and I said, you know, uh, you, you can't go in there and watch TV, you're, you're, with, you're, you're in here. So sometimes it's a little bit of a 
freak to get them. And she watches Jiffy TV. Everything's clean on it. And, you know, uh, Bible, uh, you know, Bible stores and all kind of stuff. But some, she goes in there and it's just like, finally get a moment because right now the thing is just talking. <laughs> and I'm learning about stuff I never do. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm 46, but the six-year-old's got me. She, she knows. But it's so not it's so easy. I can send her, or she can send herself in another room and get to do all this other stuff. And uh, we restricted her from that room now, so now she's in my immediate area, and she's I'm 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 in jungle gym. That, that's my function. Uh, I'm a jungle gym and I'm a tickler. She's like, Daddy, you know, tickle, you know, all this other stuff. I'm like, Daddy, I just want to break. Give me a break. Let me, let me breathe. My God, just give me a moment. Can I have five minutes? Uh, where's Mom? Where's Mom? She's in the bathroom. Can we let her go to the bathroom by herself? Please just let her go to the bathroom. Dear God, let her go to the bathroom by herself. If you don't have kids yet, that's where I am. So it's so much easier to say, I told Jessica, I said, baby, it is so much easier not to be a good parent, and let's just take her off restriction. I know I told her that it's going to be a week before she gets that room and that house and all that stuff and the, her little Barbie set and I, I, all, all that stuff back, but I, it's so much easier. I'm on day, okay, hour two. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired, okay? I just need a nap. Just need that. Hey, now let's take a nap, Daddy. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm good. I'm good. Go. Let's go. You want to do gymnastics? Can we get our gymnastics? Daddy, try to Daddy, I can do a split. Can you do a split? You're tired now. It's so much easier to send her in that other room and not disciple my daughter. It's so much easier to just go to the lazy river and I just want to float. I just want to float. I ain't got to go down the slide because that means I got to walk my big butt up and uh, all the stairs. I just want to float and just relax. We're getting caught up in selfishness where we just relax and we don't take this word home and live. And God has told us to, about something and do something and called us to action. God didn't call us to sit on our holy behinds. He didn't call us to sit on our holy behinds. The remnant of God, the remnant of Christ needs to be stirred. If we are the remnants, our homes and our cars and everything about us will have the remnant of God in it. There's some things that are not of God, they may be good. And a lot of, there's a lot of good things, or maybe even some great things. There's probably some great things that are not God things. But if they're not a God thing, it may be a good or great thing, but it's still not a God thing, but we need to be known for the God things inside of our life. Where is God in our daily walk, in our daily talk, and, and what we're doing, and, and what we say? Verse 13, Then Haggai said, uh, the Lord's message gave the message, uh, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, Shatil, and also the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, Jezara, the, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. Who did God stir? God just stirred the pastor. God just stirred just the leader of, of, of the people. Wrong. God stirred all the people. 
God stirred everybody. He said, remember what God is telling us. We need to build up our spiritual house. We need to build the, the temple of God. Inside of our homes, it is our duty to guard the Spirit of God in our home. It is our duty, men, to guard the Spirit of God in our home. If there's not a man in your home, women, it is your job to guard the Spirit of God in that home. When the, if there's an absence of the Spirit of God moving inside your home on a consistent basis, start asking yourself, why? Why is God not moving? I have stale moments, folks. I have so many stale moments where I, I get on the struggle bus and I'm like, I can't feel God, taste God, smell God. I can read my Bible and it's just like I'm hitting myself with a brick. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, but I get in those stale moments and I have to say, what, what, what's going on, Jay? What's the last thing I heard from God? When's the last time I felt the presence of God? Not emotional, but when's the last time I heard that God said, Jason, you need to do this, or God's speaking to me? And I need to evaluate. Why have I not tuned my ears? Some of us get caught up. Well, I need Jesus to do this. And I need Jesus to do that. Well, don't want it. You want him to get back on the cross again? Come on. Amen. That's a good word. Let's crucify him again because he hasn't done enough. No. The work of the Holy Spirit in us. And sometimes we got to put some motion. I got to start working. 75 years. 75 years from the point Noah heard a word to the time he uh, basically said, All right, I'm going to bring the animals. He didn't know how he was going to bring the animals for 75 doggone years. He's speculating. I guess we're just going to have to be some killer hunters. But we can't kill them. <laughs> This is going to be painful. Lord, have you seen the size of that buffalo? Lord, there's elephants out there. How? I can't make an elephant do anything. But when God's supposed to begin, He's like, right, I'm going to bring, the, I'm, I'm going to bring the, uh, all the animals, and you're just going to load them up. 75 years didn't have the word of God. And didn't give up. Haggai 2, 1 through 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, and uh, Joshua, son of uh, Jezodah, the high priest, and to the remnant of all people. Ask them, who of you, this is important, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? You remember when you got a vision to build this church? I seen the pictures. God gave you a word. And I love it when you're here on Wednesday night and you're telling the men, well, all right, what, what you do? I just did the work. God told you to build and you talk about the timbers and stuff. Uh, we ain't got enough money. The, the, the stuff's coming in for the timbers and stuff. Uh, and and what did you say? You said, Susie, go back in and recount the money. I done counted four times. Count it again. There's more in there. How do you know? God told me. Count it again. What happened? There's more money. 
Why? Because you were faithful. Are there times where we look back and it's like, who of you in here remember the house of its former glory? Who of us in here remember the time that God spoke to you and God saved you? Can God save drug addicts? Yes. Can God save drug addicts? Yes. Can God heal? Yes. Can God save marriages? Yes. Can God bring sons home? Yes. Can God bring daughters home? Yes. Why aren't we wearing it? Come on. Come on. Who of you is left who sold this house in its former glory? How does it look now to you? Now, that's one of daddy moments. That's one of daddy moments. When I brought home the report card, you know. <laughs> Tell me talk about that. <laughs> you brought your work home and you said you did all your homework and then we checked it and you're like, that's this, and then how does that look to you? <laughs> it don't look good, Daddy. <laughs> I think we need to stop worrying about the greater state of the church, and then this year, Pastor Johnny has directed us to worry about the greater state of our home. Thank God for that. What are the encouraging words, or what are we saying to our wives? Are we encouraging them? What are we saying to our husbands? Are we lifting them up? What are we saying to our children? Do our children, when they when they when they when they talk and when they when they when they say they verbalize and they're people of action, are they they're echoing us? But how are their actions? Are their actions more aggravating than lifting up? One of the coolest things that I've seen with an eye, and I'm, it's not us, it's God's has given us favor, and God's blessed us with this sweet little girl. Now, sometimes I do want to choke her out, kick her hair, and I glue her to the roof. God, you know, that's just the way it is. But we were, we were sitting in the church. Uh, y'all go ahead and laugh. Y'all been there. Y'all can have y'all. If you hold her to anybody else, it's good for you. We'll see you at the altar. We'll have another one. <laughs> and I was. Uh, before church on a Wednesday night, uh, I was in one of those rooms, and Lord have mercy, I think I mean, destroyed one of the little baby rooms. She had some other kids in there uh, playing and goofing around. And those other kids, they, they, I mean, I'm surprised my kid wasn't the first one, but those other kids got bored and they left. And I, I look up, at, uh, I've got little cameras in my office up everywhere, and I look up, and that baby is cleaning that room by herself uh-huh. and just putting stuff up. I'm like, and I said, Jessica, come here. I said, look at this. She starts to cry. We were proud of her in that moment. And it was just so cool. In that moment, I'm like, maybe we're doing something good. Now, when you catch her doing something bad, it's like, that's her mom. That's right. But we need to examine our houses. We need to stand on the Word of God. That He is everything that He says He's going to be. This is what the Lord uh, God Almighty says, verse 6. In a little while, I was once uh, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations, and, and what is desired by all nations will come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Silver is mine. Gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house 
will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. The glory of this present house, your, your, your ladder will be greater than your past. What are we doing to prepare for the ladder? How are we preparing the ladder? We've got to stick and hang on that word from God. There must be a stirring in our hearts that propels us to an action. Something that's a catalyst. We need to examine ourselves and say, do I need to pick up my big boy britches? And, <coughs> do I need to pick up my big girl britches and say, hey, come on. Yeah. I asked the kids this on uh, Wednesday night. Pastor Sean, uh, y'all been praying for his, uh, his son. He compound fractured his wrist. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah. I won't show you a picture. It made, it made the kids up there follow. Um, but they, they had surgery on Tuesday? Tuesday morning. And they set it back. <clears throat> but I was preaching to the kids and I, I, I told them this. Something I heard uh, weeks ago. And it said, we're born looking like our parents. But we're going to die looking like our decisions. Some of us can start out well and mess it up. Some of us can start out not in the most goofed up, crazy places, and you wonder, how in the world did I get through all You look back, you're like, how in the, how in the world did I get through that mess? That is a gnarly maze of just confusion and junk. God. And God has given us a word. God has given us a promise, and we're going to have to stand on that promise. We must be like Noah and believe and prepare for the hand of God or not. If you are praying for rain in your life, we need to carry around umbrellas. Amen. Jess and I did something stupid uh, when we were uh, up north. We started praying for children. And then it was uh, some kind of a message or something came. I can't remember if it was something. I spoke to somebody else spoke to me. Probably something somebody spoke to me. But I felt compelled, and we felt compelled. Let's start preparing our house for a, a kid. Amen. Ain't got no kid. We're going to have some guests that come to our house and wonder, what in the world are you doing? So we started preparing our house for kids. We bought a, a crib. We started praying over the crib. We started praying over the baby. We got a baby changing station, everything off of you know, kind of And we, we prepared for that baby. Amen. Some bumps came along the way. Sure. And some stuff we didn't that we thought was going to happen and didn't happen the way we wanted it. And then finally God brought the blessing. But we, we had to prepare our minds and our hearts. And I, guys, I'm not telling you I'm the example because I, I screw it up so much. But I, I, as, I, as I fall and I pick myself up, you know, uh, Paul said, follow me as I fall. If you're praying for things in your life, prepare for them. If you're praying for a financial blessing in your life, don't sit at the house eating Cheetos watching TV. Amen. Amen. Don't pick up a sign and say, need money. Amen. Get your hand to some work yes, and do something. Well, I have this disability, I have that disability. No, you can do something. I'm sorry. Amen. I've been in benevolence ministries for 25 years. We can do something. 
We can do something. I promise. There's old folks' homes that need you to sit over there and talk to old people. We can do something. But we've got to get busy. We've got to hang on to that word of faith. This morning, Janet, if you could, I, I want to ask. Totally emotionless. Everybody go ahead and stand. Please, please nobody move. 